brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. I put all that in God's hands. Those were the words of a man by the name of James Bain, whose story a couple years ago became international news. And the headline said it all. Freed after 35 years, a DNA test clears a Florida man. Back in 1974, James Bain was arrested and convicted of kidnapping and committing a horrible act of sexual abuse to a, seven, uh, to a nine-year-old boy. And the jury didn't believe Bain's alibi that he had been home watching television, which his sister had corroborated, and he had remained in prison ever since. Just think about that, being wrongly imprisoned for 35 years. That's the stuff of nightmares. How many nights did he go to bed in tears? How often did he hope that someone, anyone, would believe him, finally believe him and listen to him, that he was innocent, that he didn't do this, this horrible thing that he was convicted of doing. Well, finally, someone did in 2009. Fortunately, and, and finally, everything came together proving his innocence, and in one afternoon, this judge signed an order and he was immediately released from prison. And as incredibly sad as this is that an innocent man lost 35 years of his life in prison, and as justifiably angry as he may have been, what made his story so memorable to me was this, this video of him being released from prison, this absolute radiating happiness, this smile on his face, this just incredible joy. And it was interesting because it caught a lot of the reporters by surprise as they were asking them questions. They were probably trying to imagine how they might have felt had this happened to them. What emotion would they be feeling? So one of them just asked Mr. Bain pretty directly, he said, after 35 years of false imprisonment, aren't you angry? And he just said, without even hesitation, no, I'm not angry because I have God. And he explained that the support of his, his family and his religious faith had helped him get through this horrific ordeal and just left him with the conviction that it was just the right time for God to release me from this. 
and I just had to be very patient and wait on him. I cannot feel angry because I just put it all in God's hands. Many who heard this story focused solely on how did he get wrongly convicted in the first place? Why did it take so long for his innocence to come to light? How many others, just like James Bain, might be wrongfully convicted and having their innocence being doubted or ignored? And all those are, are legitimate questions and things that need to be investigated and asked. But in all that questioning, so many people missed it, such an incredibly important thing that James Bain, and for us as people of faith, see. He didn't see this as, as lost years. His belief in God, his trust in God, his faith in God, that he would never leave him or make this a lost or a waste. If you think about it, if there was ever a person we could excuse for abandoning their faith after so much pain and suffering, he would seem to be on the top ten list. Yet his family and his faith helped him endure, and as he sees it, were essential to his freedom. Not just the day he was released, but each and every day that he had been falsely imprisoned. And that story came to mind as this, this last week of Advent comes around, and we now focus on the recounting of the, the historical first coming of Jesus Christ into the world. We see beautiful nativity scenes. We have pageants retelling the, the story. And while all these things are so beautiful, oftentimes they give us this storybook image of what Christmas really is, the whole Christmas story is like. Because we can get caught up in angelic greetings that set these miraculous events into motion. Mary's told of her role in the plan of salvation. She visits her relative Elizabeth, who at an old age, after being labeled barren, is also drawn into the story with the improbable news. She was pregnant with the boy who would become John the Baptist. And yet both of these women were, were faith-filled women. They're women who had embraced God's will for their lives, despite how crazy it might have seemed to them. They trusted God. But they were human beings, just like all of us. They still had to have been nervous. They still had to have been afraid. They had to have had their doubts. Did they ever wonder, why me? Did they ever get upset how their own plan might have been fading in light of accepting God's will? Did they ever get impatient or angry at all the inconveniences and struggles and trials that they had to endure? They probably had their moments. But Mary and Elizabeth's lives echo what Mr. Bain said. I put it all in God's hands. And I think that's the same challenge that we're all faced with if we want to be faithful disciples. Whatever it is, the trials and struggles that we're encountering, when we're not sure that how the mysterious course of events happening in our lives somehow figures into God's plan or is the devil messing with us or something else altogether. It's not just a matter of positive thinking and saying to ourselves, just trust in God and don't be afraid. We are going to be afraid. We're going to feel weak at times. And that's why it's such a key part of this is that having faith-filled people need other faith-filled people to be around. One of the things that Mr. Bain credits his, all his being able to sustain all this was his family being there who encouraged him to trust in God all those years. And maybe that's one of the reasons that 
as Mary receives that incredible news that she's bearing God's son, Jesus, we read that she set out in haste to be with Elizabeth. The two women of faith needed to lean on each other and would remain together for months. That doesn't mean they doubted God. It means only a, a person of faith will be able to encourage another person of faith. They needed each other. And, and so do we. It's one reason that Jesus commanded us to come together every week to celebrate the Eucharist. We're not called to be lone rangers just trying to face the, the twists and turns of our lives, simply praying that a distant God will somehow take care of everything. St. Paul, in that second reading, very matter-of-factly calls us brothers and sisters. And that's not just a, a feel-good expression, but it's a revelation for us. As God's family, we find his, his presence is revealed and is affirmed, and it's demonstrated in many ways, especially when we can come together and support each other, especially when our reasonable doubts seem to do a number on the heart of faith. Like Mary, we who are called to bear and give birth to Jesus Christ to the world today in face of great challenges and difficulties, need words of hope and encouragement. We need to know that God continues to do miraculous things here and now in our time, in our day and age, and that we can, we can put all things into God's hands. Mary believed. Elizabeth believed. Even a man that was falsely imprisoned for 35 years believed. Can we be among those to hear Elizabeth's words said of us? Blessed are you who believed what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled.